0: Hey everyone, Zach here. July 1 is right around the corner and there are still so many unanswered questions about what budgets for this next fiscal year will look like. Chances are though, no matter who you are, you're not going to be able to spend what you were able to spend last year on consultants and enrollment marketing services. So what if you could spend $10 a month instead of $10,000 plus a year on strategic enrollment marketing support? Today, I am proud to invite you to be an early adopter of Enrollify Premium, an exclusive collaborative Slack community for enrollment marketers. Enrollify Premium is sort of like a social network join forces with your favorite industry conference. Instead of one annual weekend of professional development, you're getting always available feedback on your student recruitment campaigns, and you're garnering insights on the latest tools, trends, and tactics that are shaping the future of enrollment marketing alongside an active community of incredibly helpful admissions and marketing professionals. We're on a mission to totally disrupt the education consulting space, and we want you to join us on this ride towards this disruption. So you can learn more, and you can start your free trial by visiting us at enrollify.org forward slash premium. Again, that's enrollify.org forward slash premium. Looking forward to welcoming you into the Slack workspace as one of our first premium subscribers. All right, thanks all. Enjoy today's episode. Hello and welcome to the Enrollify podcast. My name is Zach Boozy Cruz and I am the host of today's episode. And today I have the great privilege of speaking with Rob Zinkin, who is a higher education leader and strategist who currently serves as a vice president at RHB Global. Welcome to the show, Rob.
1: Hey, Zach, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. I enjoy listening to the podcast. You've had an interesting cross section of people who touch enrollment marketing in a variety of ways. So. I'm glad to join the mix.
0: Well, thank you. I I appreciate that. Could you just start, Rob, by giving us a quick overview for for our listeners who are not familiar with what RHB Global is? Can you just give us sort of the crash course overview of who you all are?
1: Yeah, definitely. Uh, RHB is a higher education marketing consultancy based in Indianapolis, and we are now in our 30th year. RHB helps institutions gain clarity for their market positioning and equips them to confidently communicate their distinctiveness throughout the student journey. Uh, So the work could entail anything from research to strategy to CRM integration. Uh, At RHB, I serve as vice president and lead our practice in marketing and communications organizational assessments. And so I have the privilege of helping institutions and their leaders dig into critical questions around structure and staffing and systems and spin. So some of the things that we'll be talking about today.
0: Fantastic. I, I really appreciate that. And it's my understanding, based off of stalking your LinkedIn profile, that you're relatively new to this role at RHB, but you're definitely not new to to higher education. So could you just give us a, a sort of Cliff's Notes overview of, your career to date, where did you start? Uh, how, how long have you been in higher ed and what are some of the things that you've done along the way?
2: Sure,
1: yeah, not new at all. I've spent 20 years in higher education administration and marketing and advancement. I've always worked on the university side actually until moving to RHB last year. And I started my career in athletics administration huh. working in external affairs. So college athletics, uh, you know, it's a ton of fun, especially when you're young in your career And I love the energy of it and seeing student athletes grow and develop over the course of a a four year journey. And I I think I learned the hustle there. Hmm. Every dollar counts when it comes to sponsorships and ticket sales and fundraising, which was certainly the case at a Division II school and at a smaller D1 school. Um, But I was always intrigued learning from colleagues in university administration that that would be a growth opportunity to, to work in more of a campus wide role. So I eventually returned to my home state and joined Indiana University. I was at a regional campus location and was a a frontline development officer and alumni relations officer, became assistant dean for advancement. And I was fortunate there to work with a a visionary leader, Nasser Paydar, who currently is chancellor of IUPUI. Mm
2: -hmm. And
1: I followed him uh, when he became chancellor at another Indiana University campus, a larger regional campus. And he was, uh, I I became vice chancellor for external affairs working with him. And it was a a period of growth and transformation for the campus, Indiana University East, which was transitioning from more of a community college role to a a bachelor's and master's institution. And it's rare to be part of a mission and image transformation. Hmm. So that was a rewarding experience. And I I really enjoyed the smaller campus setting in terms of the relationships and feeling really close to the student experience and being able to impact several facets of the campus. And uh, among the takeaways from that time was uh, an appreciation of being nimble and and able to innovate at a smaller campus. So for example, I, I led an integrated advancement model there. And we even brought campus life into that portfolio, which which is certainly unconventional, but worked really well for us there. So we had the entire life cycle from admissions marketing to student activities and student communications, all the way to alumni engagement and philanthropy. So that was before any lifetime CRM, uh, but we saw a visible increase in alumni engagement, particularly among our alumni, because that, that transition was more seamless from student to new graduate. Uh, They no longer had to reintroduce themselves, uh, if you will, to the university. Um, I I also started working on my doctorate at that time, knowing that it would be helpful to have if I ever considered trying to go the small campus president or chancellor route from a a non-traditional path, not being an academician. At those regional campuses, I saw how much of the chancellor's role was was really community focused mm. on external relations uh, especially when the mission is to serve a particular geographic region and be really connected to to the community so i thought hey I, you know i might want to do that one day but next uh, though i moved to a system wide role for indiana university as associate vice president for marketing covering 100,000 students with campuses all around the state And there we developed and deployed the institution's first university-wide brand strategy. Uh, We developed uh, the university's brand in terms of helping bring coherence to the institution's marketing efforts across 300-plus distributed marketing and communications professionals across the university. So it it was really interesting being on both sides, first at the campus or the unit level, and then at the at the system level, so those three stops totaled 17 years with Indiana University. And last year, then I left uh, to join HP, which had been an important partner over the years to to multiple schools and units at Indiana while I was there, and, and it's been a great transition. So. So there you go, Zach. That's about twenty uh, some years in. In I don't know five minutes.
0: I'm impressed. I'm impressed. No, that that was very very well done. Very well done. Yeah, I, I'm curious to to just kind of piggyback off of uh, uh, something that you were saying with respect to you. You have uh, really seen. Uh, you've straddled a, a, a wide variety of different roles in in higher ed and and seen um, different different contexts. And I'm just curious. When you know a lot of the times uh, higher ed is known for being a a very uh, siloed space, um and it being really, really, really hard to collaborate across departments. Um, so in your time, kind of as you as you moved up through through sort of the the proverbial ladder at i u as you as you again, you you uh, oscillated between, Roles in external affairs and advancement, and ultimately marketing. Were there any? Uh, what? What did, was? Was there any uh, particular moment or or perspective that you that you garnered about how different departments, how different groups within an, within an uh, an institution can do a better job of collaborating specifically with respect to like consolidating resources. Obviously, we're living in a time right now where resources are, are thinning um, and there's a lot of fear uh, around how organizations, how institutions will, will restructure. Any sort of uh, tips or tricks that you've garnered along the way with respect to how different departments can be more collaborative uh, with each other?
1: Yeah, it's certainly easier said than done when some of those elements of decentralization are are really deep-rooted and deeply rooted in culture or deeply rooted in structure, Uh, and that could be a responsibility-centered management budgeting model that uh, is is completely decentralized. So I had the benefit over that time of being in in so many different front-line roles in athletics, alumni relations, development. Uh, communications, marketing, and you know, working across an institution at the unit level, campus level, and then enterprise level, I think I learned over the course of the time, you know, where are those points of common interest? Where are those points, you know, that we can be on the same page? And I think, you know, it, it may sound cheesy, but, you know, you can you can bring every, everybody together when you're talking about mission, you know, when sure. you start with the mission and can base a conversation on that, or at least start from there. I think that's one point. And then two, which is so critical for marketing communications is the audience centric nature, you know, bringing the, the voice, bringing the perspective of those you're trying to reach influence and move to action. Uh, and when you can come and, and get people to step out of their silos or step out of their tunnel view, uh, because they're fo- so focused on their discipline or what they're trying to do, and, and try to step back and, and put themselves in the shoes of their audience. I think that can be a way that you can bring, uh, bring people together. And I know we're going to get into some of the specifics around, uh, structures and, and spin, but I think those overarching, uh, approaches just to try to create some high level common ground is, is critical.
0: I appreciate that. Now that's, that's fantastic insight. Um, so yes, I, we're gonna we're gonna talk about the future of university marketing communications, and I'm I'm really looking forward to diving into that. But first, uh, I was uh, you've re- you wrote this article in Inside Higher Ed, which is how we first connected, and in it you talk about having a child in college, in high school, in middle school, and elementary school, and uh, all of your your children have been learning from a distance over these past several months at home. And I'm just curious if you could uh, speak a little bit to sort of the the great, the good, you know. The bad, maybe the ugly over what the over what these past few months have have looked like, I think that your perspective is is pretty unique um any any sort of specific observations gleaned uh during this this increased in quality uh in quality time together
1: oh my goodness yeah it it's for an interesting household that's for sure, even with just everyone trying to find a space to do work and be on zoom and
0: increase your, inter, your to to... increase your internet bandwidth. <laughs>
1: Oh my goodness! Yes, indeed, uh, a new adventure each day and uh, a challenge to uh, to the parental roles. But it's yeah, it's been interesting. I'd say on the positive side, uh, especially for our high schooler, uh, the ability to manage her own time and her own schedule with with less seat time was nice. So maybe that felt uh, closer to how it might be in college for her. And and that was across the board though. The kids felt they could. Be more efficient with their time, and they liked getting a little more sleep in the morning too. Uh, each morning, uh, the school though had to be creative and get creative in all sorts of ways to keep students engaged and, and connected to one another, and that was fun to see uh, how they would go about doing that. In fact, just last week we had eighth grade graduation, and it took place outdoors at a drive-in movie theater. Wow! So at yeah, that, that was creative. That made for a pretty cool video presentation on the big screen. And there was still social distancing, but it was a sh- shared experience. Everyone could could do that together. Um, on the negative side or or leaning towards the negative side, the uh, learn, learning experience was probably less robust overall, uh, especially at those ages during such a, a formative time. And actually among our four, it was probably toughest on our college students Hmm. To be a freshman and be be fully immersed in that coming of age experience, and then just like that, it's gone.
2: Yeah, and,
1: and that was a tough a tough adjustment for him. And if your university's educational experience is built as a residential experience, that extended spring break period was simply not enough. Uh, it was not going to be sufficient preparation for true online learning. You know, it was remote learning, and everyone tried to make the best of it. Uh, I was always peppering him with questions about the experience and if there were any moments that that he experienced where he, uh, he thought that the university's, uh, brand kind of came to life or, uh, was the experience was consistent with why he chose to go there. And, And I think that was hard to deliver, especially under those circumstances.
0: Sure. Sure. Wow. No, that's, that's incredible. Yeah. I I can't imagine. I have a brother who just graduated. I have two brothers. One just graduated from high school, and the other just graduated from college. And uh, you know, they both have sort of been totally disrupted in their their last semester, mm-hmm. and sort of just missing out on all the ceremonial send offs that that uh, you know students are used to. But. But no, I, I appreciate you sh- uh, sharing that perspective. I, I was, uh, uh, you know, sure that it was it would be a unique one, um, having people that you know span the entire education system, um, right, right, right around your dining room table. So uh, I'm sure it made for uh, great family time. Hopefully, some bonding. Um, but if if nothing else, an Absolutely. interesting an interesting perspective. Um, I wanna I wanna shift and talk a little bit about this article that you recently wrote in Inside Higher Ed, and you highlight some troubling quotes uh, to put it lightly from discussions that you and 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 team members have been having uh, with CMOs over the past couple of months. Can you recount some of the highlights of these conversations with us? Uh, what are what are marketing leaders most worried about? Um, as we enter, what is it, month three, month four of of this global pandemic?
1: Yeah, month three, month four, month five, I don't know at this point at <laughs> all. It's all blending together. But yeah, interesting times for sure. Uh, everyone's work has shifted, uh, no doubt about that. Uh, marketing communications teams are, are doing a lot of heavy lifting for their institution right now. And that's been incredible. It's, it's been a lot. Uh, it's been stressful Uh, As things change daily and weekly, we've seen much more of the workload shift to internal communications. And in some cases, two-thirds of the current work for a MarCom team is being focused in this area, which which makes sense.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Teams are getting much, much more involved in student retention and student communications. And I think that's a good thing, which I hope continues beyond the pandemic. Uh, I was presenting for a case conference earlier this month on the topic of Marketing Organizational Structures with Julie Zito, ADP for Marketing at American University. And Julie talked about some of the, the new opportunities where her team and her team's skill set had benefited the university. Uh, she's been telling her team that this is our moment, hmm. uh, particularly in reimagining events such as commencement. Uh, the marketing team is is well versed at bringing an audience centric uh, customer experience mindset to problem solving. So they've been assisting the university in new ways and and providing important leadership as a result. But but in terms of worry uh, beyond the the general fatigue, I think it's all about the financial fallout of this. Yeah, uh, budget cuts are an unfortunate reality now for many places with with lost revenues and state budget reductions. It's tough to see that play out when marketing staffs and, and budgets are negatively affected, and the prospect of being asked to do more with less uh, and having positions eliminated—obviously, that's extremely, extremely difficult right now.
0: Sure, sure. Yeah, I mean, and you know, as, as colleges and universities uh, have many of many of whom have already announced that. Uh, hiring is frozen. Uh, some have already, you know, canceled or or plan to cancel uh, salary increases. Uh, I'm I'm curious, you know, how do you, as, as somebody who's a professional marketer, you've been in the space for a while, you've seen a lot. You're now working on the partner, the vendor side of things. You know, how do you think that this is going to impact? Not, not even the long-term uh, evolution of, of higher ed marketing, but like the short-term, what, what do you think the next kind of like 12 to 24 months are going to look like for your average? And again, I know that this varies so much depending on context, but what is sort of the next 12 to 24 months going to look like? What is the higher ed Marcom team going to look like over the next 12 to 24 months?
1: Yeah, well, I hope, uh, I hope not too much smaller uh, as a result of, of cuts. Um, as I mentioned in that article, I think to some degree, it's going to be a, a moment of truth for mm. what marketing and communications teams look like in the in the coming months and the, the coming years. and And that goes to you know how the the institutional leadership will look at marketing and, and will see those investments in marketing. And obviously, like everything else, you know, it's not just marketing that's going to get heavily scrutinized. I mean, all parts of the university will be. But if I had to categorize all marketing departments across higher ed, I would broadly put them into to two general categories. Uh, those focused on outputs, providing services and support and churning things out, you know, various pieces of materials. Many marcom offices started as publications offices. Sure, uh, and in this case, the the, the marketing director um, or the marketing lead is more of a chief everything officer. They're taking requests in all directions. The dean wants this, and a, a faculty member uh, has an upcoming public lecture, and they need a brochure. They want to get butts and seats. So it's this kind of constantly reacting, responding to needs and requests. And the the other category are those departments that are focused on outcomes. Where the work is tightly aligned to the institution's strategic priorities, and and marketing's impact is understood in strengthening an institution's reputation and increasing the flow of revenue into the institution by impacting enrollment and philanthropy, and that's that's why VP level CMO positions have entered higher ed
2: hmm. in the
1: last decade plus. You know, with the competition for students and resources and talent intensifying. Uh, the role of marketing has needed to shift and evolve from being just focused on outputs, but the reality, though, is that uh, that many are still trying to get there and and become more outcomes driven. So while there are a lot of challenges right now, just as you said, um, it, it's also a great opportunity. Just in in the American University example, like marketing has had to step up and really help the university in this in this critical time. Um, you know, it, it, when it comes to cuts, uh, if cuts are across the board, you know, they're going to be unavoidable, sure. But but in other cases, uh, I think that this question of outputs versus outcomes will be a core consideration. You know, is, is marketing seen as a cost center uh, or truly as an integral part of the institution's ability to achieve its strategic priorities?
0: All right, I'll just a quick reminder, jot a note for yourself, uh, tell Siri to set a reminder for yourself, tell Alexa to set an alarm, whatever, whatever you need uh, to go and check out Enrollify Premium at enrollify.org forward slash premium. You can start your free trial today, and we'd love to welcome you into the Slack workspace so you can get a feel for what the premium experience of Enrollify is really like. All right, back to the episode. How do you think that folks who are listening to this podcast right now, they're uh, working in Marcom, Maybe they have an average size team. Let's say they've got three or four people on their team. They're at a you know small to medium-sized uh, institution. How do they go about it? if they're if they're listening to this, thinking, okay, uh-oh, you know, we might be more of uh, of, of an output uh, team more than a, more than we are an outcome team. What are sort of, you know, one or two things that folks can do to start orienting themselves to become, you know, more more truly an outcome-driven uh, uh, group of people? Like, what is it, what are, what are one or two or, you know, a couple of different uh, ways in which folks can sort of measure their progress as they move from output to outcome?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. And I think it starts with a, a very fundamental question. And and that is what is the change that marketing should affect for this college or university or uh, you know as you said if it's a team of three perhaps at a an academic school or academic unit it's getting alignment around what are what are we supposed to do or what should we be doing to uh, advance the mission of this organization and advance the the university's strategic priorities and is there alignment around that from the team and the leadership and the the campus community. You know, everyone should understand marketing. They should value it. They should see their role in it. And it seems like such a, a basic question of, you know, what does the change marketing should affect? But yeah. it's harder than one might think for everyone to be on the same page with that. Uh, if you know, if I'm in fundraising or I'm in admissions, <laughs> those metrics are clear and much better understood. Yeah. Uh, in marketing, that's not always the case. So. Uh, that would that would certainly be a, a beginning point, and we can talk more about some of those measures and, um, you know, trying to 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 educate leadership on what we should be uh, what we should be focused on, what we should be measuring, and what uh, and what matters. I also think too, I mean, even going back to your previous question about what does the what does the future look like, and I think it's an opportunity for. Um, higher ed marketing to, um, you know, to evolve in, in a variety of ways. Uh, and I think to this point about playing an important role for the institution, you know, seeing the CMO as more of a, a chief strategy officer and, and not just, uh, being aligned with university priorities, but helping set direction for the university and where it needs to go. And again, bringing that intimate understanding of, your audiences, uh, intimate understanding of the marketplace. Uh, the, you know, the CMO is, in higher ed at least, typically not uh, involved as much or at all in product development and in shaping the student experience. And those are some of the opportunities now where these times, I think, lend, uh, lend an opening for the, the CMO to get more involved, engaged in those product uh, development. Uh, student experience discussions that a CMO should be involved in.
0: Hmm. No, absolutely. And so do you think that and and maybe you can pull from a, a a story or or even just a learning um during your time at IU, but if how, how can marcom teams like w- what sort of Uh, relationship do you think that these teams need to have with advancement and and enrollment management and and potentially others in other words you know for for years and again i know this varies quite dramatically depending on the context of of the institution but enrollment management has um you know operated in one bucket and marcoms over here and then advancements in a different budget a, a different bucket and so what do you think? Like, it sounds like, based off of what you're saying, you see sort of marketing being, uh, marcom teams being sort of this this bridge, or this, uh, especially in this new reality, they sort of need to be working harder to work with enrollment management, to work with advancement, to understand sort of kind of uh, KPIs and and how you know what what does success look like. Um, you know, what, what What are the things that we're doing from an outcome standpoint that will realize success within your uh, department's context? So do you have any specific examples of great collaboration that you've seen between Marcom teams or enrollment management? Or are there sort of like any lessons that you've learned on around how marketing can do a better job at supporting the departments that maybe ROI and impact is a little bit easier to track?
1: Yeah, and I think that gets into to some of the complications around uh what is what is marketing supposed to affect um because if you look across uh an institution, you know, the marketing objectives could could vary pretty drastically. Sure. Uh you might have within one unit uh the focus is on graduate recruitment, on uh, another academic school the focus is on uh, reputation for rankings of key programs, and another might be faculty recruitment. So that's one of the things where you can have a a more level playing field, if you will, across say philanthropy or uh, even enrollment management. So with philanthropy, for example, you're it, it's much more likely that you might see a model where development officers are embedded in the units, but they report centrally because you know we all we all can measure the work. Um, whereas across marketing activities of an institution, those points of emphasis or those uh, individual objectives can vary can vary pretty widely. But to your point about connections with uh, admissions, enrollment management, and philanthropy, I think certainly a, uh, a marketing department should be should be connecting its work to those those ultimate objectives. You know, if marketing is supposed to be about uh, enhancing reputation and enhancing the flow of resources into the institution. Now you need to connect your work directly to those outcomes. And yes, a lot of other things go into uh, affecting those measures, but but you need to be wedded to those as well. So I think um, aligning your work and your and your goals to those business objectives is, uh, is key. And I think also in this time, you know, thinking differently about the ways that we can collaborate. Hmm. Uh, this opens, I think, so many possibilities to thinking differently about structures and models and things like that. So uh, to follow up on on your, you know, your question specific to advancement and and using that as an example with alumni relations and development and, you know, just alumni relations for instance, the the predominant organizational alignment for alumni relations is to be with development. Uh, That's what you typically see in higher ed. And now you're seeing more examples of alumni relations being connected to career services. That is a a much more, again, audience centric approach. I think, well, what if alumni relations in marketing communications were, you know, were connected? Um, I go back to the, the case metrics for alumni engagement that are being developed and they're, they're focused on these four areas of volunteer, uh, experiential, philanthropic and communications. Um, and, and actually I'd, I'd add a fifth to that, uh, being learning, uh, as a, as a metric as well. But if you look at those four or even five, you know, just one of them is philanthropy, but yet the predominant model is for alumni engagement to be connected to, um, to development. So again, why't why can't we think of marketing and communications in that way? And, and again, just to, to continue on this on this brand about uh, about models and structures. So uh, another example, uh, just doing a, a organizational assessment for marketing and communications recently, part of this project was to do a, a competitive peer review and, and looking at those peers, The average, not the average, the range of staff size was six to forty-eight. So it was all over the place, and that you know, and that's that's not necessarily a surprise because you know there's no one model or no one structure when it comes to higher ed. The, The organizational models and staff sizes they they vary widely, but there is one relatively common, broad characteristic to these uh, organizational models for marketing communications, and that's that they're, they're function-centric. Uh, function-centric meaning that they're, they're organized around uh, things like you know, operations and creative and you know, content design, those, those sorts of things. And if you look at that, they're, they're really optimized for outputs. You know, back to this question, are you uh, output oriented or are you outcomes oriented? And, and if you look at the majority of org charts, higher ed for Marcom, they tend to be optimized around output. So I think that's, that's another opportunity area for marketing and communications professionals and uh, VPs and ABPs is to step back. Uh, During this time where there might be an an opportunity to think differently or we may be forced to think differently about how we're structured and how we collaborate is look at your current org chart.
2: Hmm.
0: You know,
1: what does it say about what you're you're currently optimized for and optimized to do?
0: Yeah, I mean and I bet that that will open up a wonderful conversation about hey, you know, why are we siloed in this way or Wow, you know, who knew that if we could get uh, better access to this data that advancement has to enrollment management to to marketing, we would be able to operate uh, a lot more uh, sustainably. And so I I, I'm Mm -hmm. right there with you that I think that uh, what this moment is. The, this the shaking that this moment is doing to to higher ed while while painful um, is probably is is probably a, a good thing, uh, at least in the long run because I do think it'll open up. A lot of opportunities for increased collaboration. Um, you know, a, a a better allocation of resources. Um, do you think, for, uh, speaking specifically about uh, about marcom here, how do you how do you predict a spend will shift? And again, I know that these questions are hard because it varies so much depending on the context of university. But do you see? uh higher ed kind of moving to outsourcing more during this moment do you see uh, a doubling down of, of kind of internal resources how do you think that marketing spend will shift or won't shift uh, over over the coming 12 to 24 months
2: yeah that's a that's a great
0: question I, I would
1: predict smarter spend uh, a more precise spend in both areas and you know definitely the, this issue of efficiency uh, we' we're, we're having that uh, that focus that that interest around efficiency being so important right now uh, now more than ever where we're forcing to to look at all those all those issues and and frankly though it was already an issue for higher ed because relative to other sectors uh, higher ed marketing spend is not huge to begin with yeah um, everyone is already been trying to make their dollars go as far as possible so for instance a a large public university uh, may only be spending about uh, one percent or one and a half percent of its annual operating budget on marketing you know compared to say uh, other sectors where that average would be ten percent or more sure Uh, but the thing is that spend is typically coming from lots of different places across the university. And in many cases, the majority of that spend is coming from everywhere else, not not necessarily the central marketing unit. So it's happening in athletics and admissions and school of business and and various other schools and units. So if, if I were starting from scratch to build a marketing organization that would maximize effectiveness and efficiency across an institution, it certainly wouldn't be uh, that type of model that risks being siloed, risks being uncoordinated, and and inefficient in terms of marketing expenditures. So again, imperative, especially now, uh, to figure out how to make the most of those investments. And and for many institutions, they don't even know what that total spend is. Yeah, you know, they can't yeah. answer that question. Um, and that's the first step, just understanding what the total spend is. Uh, At Indiana University, we had a process for tracking total marketing expenditures across the enterprise. Um, I did some benchmarking in the Big Ten uh, about three years ago, and only two other universities at the time were able to track total spend. So that's three out of 14 universities. Um, And those other two did it by... Working with purchasing and trying to, to make the make sense of purchasing data and codes, which you know sounds like you'd, you'd want to pull your hair out trying to figure that out. Um, but at least at least was a process. Uh, at Indiana University, we took a different approach. Uh, each spring we requested marketing plans and budgets from campuses, schools and units for the upcoming fiscal year. And it was incredibly useful. We knew it wasn't going to be hundred percent accurate because it was projected spin but at least we were now counting the same things, the same way across the university. Benchmarking is really hard in higher ed for, for marketing spend because what one institution may consider uh, a marketing expense, another may count that or, or define that differently. So we were at least starting to count everything the same way. Uh, and we could see trends and we could identify opportunities and and overall could better steward the, the university's resources. So. Uh, you know, to your question, I think the focus on these internal resources, um, you know, and, and even the purchasing data, you know, what 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 does your purchasing data tell you about your outsource spend and your your vendor relationships? So uh, I, I would predict fewer, probably fewer partners yeah. you know, instead of, say, uh, dozens of graphic designers in the purchasing system that a large university may have done business with in the last year you develop a network of, say, a half dozen, and you create more efficiencies around that and a better expression uh, of the university's brand. So uh, in our reviews, our organizational assessment reviews, as I said, we, we look at structure and staffing and systems and spend. And these systems, I think, are an important question. You know, how many different CRMs, how many different Digital asset management systems, or how many different project management systems are being used across the institution, and why. Mm-hmm. So there's oppor- there's opportunity there. Uh, maybe in previous years, units had to figure these things out themselves and could just go out and say, "Hey, I want to I want to use this." Uh, but now it's time. Now it's time to lead from the center. So uh, I think those are just a few a few of the opportunities, and you can take any any area. You know, professional development and training, hey, let's look at that more holistically. So I think there are a lot of ways that uh, marketing and communications teams and universities can take a more holistic look at those internal resources.
0: And speaking of this, sort of this uh, move towards increase in efficiency, if you were a director uh, of MarCom at, let's say, just a, a, a mid-tier university, um, if you had, it, it, it you know, we're in the middle of June right now, right? So for many, many institutions, uh, there are, people are about to get their, their budgets, uh, at least hopefully, uh, come July 1. They'll have a better understanding of, okay, what is it that we're going to have access to in terms of resources over the next 12 months? How do directors of marketing and communication teams uh, do how, do how do they spend these next couple months right the summer which are typically a little bit slower in higher ed uh, probably not this year how do they wisely uh, take a look at the resources that they will have at their disposal and start crafting a semblance of a plan if, if, if like you were in their shoes what how do you spend the month of July and August prepping for the fall with an understanding that you're probably operating with, let's say, you know, a, a third uh, uh, fewer resources than you had at your disposal last year?
1: Yeah, Oh I, I know many are uh, many are going to be answering that exact same question. And in that same, uh, same kind of dilemma. And uh, yeah, there, there are a few different ways to, uh, to think about it. And, um, you know, much like again, to make the fundraising comparison of, you know you have uh, say ten percent of your donors account for ninety percent of your your fundraising dollars. I think to some degree, you've got to take that same kind of approach with marketing and and you've got to be focused.
2: Hmm.
1: Um, you can't be all things to all people. You can't do everything that you're want you're going to want to do. So I would be sitting down um, and spending a lot of time with my institution's strategic plan and figuring out, uh, and hopefully, you've already done that and you were uh, an integral part of crafting the strategic plan and, and part of those discussions and helping inform the strategic plan. But I would, I would want to make sure that there's focus to to what your Marcom plan looks like. And, and you have uh, identified, what are the areas where we can make the biggest impact and move the university forward in the most, uh, uh, most important ways. And so again, focus is really hard when you're trying to, um, you know, move from outputs to outcomes and you still have a lot of work that you have to, to push out and generate. Um, and, and as we think about resources and, and crafting the plan and making the case for that, uh, I, you know, I, again, would harp on this issue of outcomes and outputs that, you know, are you thinking about, or is leadership thinking about, the budget from a standpoint of output, where you know you you may be talking about do we eliminate an issue of the alumni magazine or or go from print to digital only, and you know and those are important things to decide and you've got to figure that out. But is that the the kind of mindset that is being applied towards uh, what marketing is going to do and what is marketing's investment uh, going to be for the for the coming coming year? Whereas if it's about outcomes and, and to your question about planning for the next year, I would also be looking about looking at at opportunities. You know, Mm. if marketing is about outcomes, we might be having a completely different discussion. We may be talking about how now is a a time of opportunity for us. Uh, it may cost less for us to to enter a new market or our, our competitors for Uh, health sciences related programs or whatever, are are going to have to cut back, they'll have to reduce their spending. So hey, here's an opportunity for us. And we can get uh, an even stronger return on certain marketing investments.
0: I love it. That's that makes a lot of sense. And and hopefully folks, if they aren't already doing these things, uh, should start doing these things. And sort of uh, the same question, but a uh, a different perspective here. Uh, if you're a university president, or you're you're in leadership within the context of, of an institution, um, and you're sort of in charge of determining, okay, what budget do you give to your school's marketing team for for the next academic year? How do you go about uh, determining what? What a fair budget is, you know, for for so many schools, it, it might feel like their their baseline metrics have just been totally disrupted. How do how do you help guide coach uh, uh, your your team in determining how you know what resources you are able to give to them, and then what sort of metrics would you be looking for to to sort of evaluate? And again, you've hit on this a little bit already, but. What sort of metrics would you be looking for to evaluate the success of this allocation of spend?
1: Yeah, I mean, you've hit on such a critical issue for higher ed marketing right now, uh, and and that's metrics. You know, how do we know that we've been successful? How can we show that, you know that we've been uh, that our work has made a made a difference, and as I said earlier, you know it's a, it's a much easier case, a much easier discussion if if you're in fundraising, if you're in admissions, and so there's an education component to this to to help colleagues understand the measures of brand strength and measures of brand health and and how those connect to to, to the key business indicators. Um, and again, we should tie ourselves and our work to those key business indicators. Um, if, if marketing is ultimately about reputation and ultimately about about revenue, so that uh, that education component is so important, and also around uh, playing the long game. Hmm. Um, brand strategy is uh, is about building long-term value. So just like you wouldn't want to view uh, major gifts fundraising. Uh, success over just a short window. Neither should you do that for uh, for assessing brand. Um, so, you know, I, I think there are a lot of reasons for this disconnect around metrics. Um, and and again, I've talked about how marketing objectives can vary across the university. Um, you know, it, it would be easy to uh, to just say, hey, this this should all be uh, this should all be centralized. Uh, and, and absolutely, a centralized model would, would drive better effectiveness and efficiency across the university. But there's a lot of nuance to it. Uh, again, the decentralized culture, the decentralized budgeting systems and things that we've, that we've already talked about that, have, uh, that are at many colleges and universities and have been there for a long time. And again, this is an opportune time to step back now and, and look and say, is this, is this right for, for our institution um, there's a lot of room to be exploring interesting hybrid models right now that may lean more towards a centralized approach, but certainly be uh, more of a centralized approach than a university has now that can bring a more unified, integrated approach uh, across the university that's that's more center-led. Uh, and again, this issue of uh, total spend, you know, thinking about uh, – what's happening across the the total university, because you can't determine ROI without knowing the I and understanding what, what all those expenditures are. You know, if if you're in one of those central marketing positions where your central team is only accounting for 25% of the, the marketing spend across the enterprise, but you're in a position of having to answer to the president and to the board, for all of those marketing activities and expenditures across uh, an institution, you know, you've, you've got to figure out a way, uh, your institution has to figure out a way to look collectively at that. And and there's, again, so many ways, like we've already discussed, to be more efficient and more effective in that spend. Um, but in making a case and what those metrics are, I think, it, Zach, I think it's less about what the metrics are and more about there being alignment Uh, among everyone, among leadership, among the Marcom team, about what the key metrics are, that that that, uh, alignment has to exist.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think, you know, now now more than ever before, as everything is scrutinized, it's just uh, absolutely essential that... Both the leaders of of the institution as a whole, the leaders of of various departments, are very uh, uh, are in unison, are are in unity about what it is that they're going to be focused on, especially over the next kind of twelve to twenty four months. Um, so I I appreciate those uh, those comments as well, Rob. This has been an, a really exciting, fun, uh, and insightful uh, conversation for me. Uh, do you have any just a couple of uh, uh, takeaways uh, that you hope our listeners will will walk away with? Uh, any any sort of parting words uh, before we uh, conclude today's convo?
1: Yeah, um, I, I'd start with uh, lead from the center, uh, reiterating some of the things that we've touched on. Uh, I was talking last week to uh, a unit level marketing director, and she said something that I love. She said, I, I consider myself an extension of university marketing. And I, I thought that was just great. Yeah. You know, our, our instinct in cent- central marketing might be to say, hey, um, you know, consider us an extension of your school's marketing team or, or telling those marketing directors at the unit level, hey, we can help you. We're a resource for you. But, uh, you know, we should be thinking about working to build an overall marketing community, creating a culture around that across the institution, regardless of what reporting lines look like and regardless of, of what the org chart looks like. And of course, that comes from relationships and trust and expertise. And, and there, that takes time. Um, but lead from the center. Uh, another takeaway uh, is about the org chart again, and taking a fresh look at the organizational chart and what your org chart is optimized for. Uh, and then last, I think uh, during this time of reorganizations, I would say to to rethink the reorg, uh, to think of reorganization or, or organization design, heck, more like web design, hmm. where ideally there there is constant Iteration. Now, reorganization tends to have a, a negative connotation and we need to embrace constant realignment. You know, for you to, to remain competitive, organizational alignments should be an iterative routine practice where you're, you know, on an ongoing basis, you're adapting the the Marcom function to to the work that your university needs and to the, the talent that your university has
0: rob that was awesome uh some some real gold golden uh takeaways there i really really appreciate your time today thank you for sharing your story with us thank you for sharing your uh your learnings over the years uh with us it's been a privilege speaking with you and i look forward to continuing to get to learn from you
1: absolutely zach it's been a pleasure thanks so much
0: if you are an enrollment marketer working in marketing and communications or enrollment management and would be willing to be interviewed on the podcast, or if you have an idea for a topic that you'd like to hear covered on the podcast, please reach out directly to me at zach, Z-A-C-H, at enrollify.org. We sincerely look forward to working with you to make Enrollify the most trusted, go-to digital resource for enrollment marketers out there. Hey everyone, I hope you enjoyed today's conversation. Just one final, final reminder to check out Enrollify Premium by going to enrollify.org forward slash premium and starting your free trial. Again, we're on a mission to totally disrupt the education consulting space, and we really want to welcome as many enrollment marketers as possible into this experience to test it out and help us really optimize and improve it for people in a variety of enrollment marketing contexts. So start your free trial 10 bucks a month right after that head on over to enroll.org forward slash premium to learn more all right guys have a fantastic day's day i can't even talk oh thank god tomorrow's friday um and we will see you next week take care